Hey everybody, welcome back. This is episode number nine, and my guest today is Chuck Bostrom, who is one of my all-time favorite yoga teachers and human beings in general for several reasons, Um, but reasons you might want to tune in is because things that set him apart is that, um, well, for one, he's a man. We don't have as many male yoga teachers around as we once did, so it's just an interesting vantage point, but also Chuck came to yoga and to teaching a little bit later in life than I feel like most of us do in our community. And so he comes to the practice and the teaching with a plethora of experiences that really pour into his teaching. And I just really love his view on using your personal practice to inform your teaching. Another thing that's really special about Chuck is that he is a businessman before he came to yoga. And I think it's fair to say that not all yoga teachers are good at business. I I know there are exceptions, um, but for the most part, it takes some educating and some practice to take someone who is very skilled at teaching yoga and very good with people who, and then get them into a place where they're also good at doing their budget, their P&L, their marketing and time management and things like that. So Chuck came into the yoga business having already had a business mind and he has a lot of really interesting views that he can share with you. So if you are a yoga teacher and you're thinking about maybe making it more of a business, maybe opening a studio, this is a great episode for you to hear um, that and just all kinds of great gems from Chuck as always. So I hope you enjoy. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Body, Mind, Spirit Service Podcast Show. I'm your host, Shay Knight. I'm a yoga teacher, a teacher trainer, a massage therapist, and a wellness entrepreneur coach. And I've been in this industry for over 15 years. So believe me when I tell you, I know that you feel called to serve others with your work. And I also know that sometimes you scream in a pillow, run out of money, feel isolated, and question your career choices. (laughs) Listen, we all do it. So on this show, we're talking about it with our colleagues. We're talking about money, marketing, work-life balance, burnout, side hustling, full-time hustling, and what it takes to keep going, or sometimes to not keep going. Each recording is dedicated to you, wherever and whenever you tune in. I hope you gain a little something to help you on your way. So before we begin, I invite you to take a deep breath, get centered, maybe make a cup of tea, and be present while you listen. I'm so glad that you're here, and I hope you enjoy. I have a very special guest today. I'm super excited. His name is Chuck Bostrom. And so Chuck was born and raised in Michigan. He was a biology teacher, a football coach for many years, an insurance broker. He's a husband to the lovely Sharon, a dad to lovely ladies, and a granddad to two, right? Jack That's right. Who I understand have gotten really good at Fortnite, right? <laughs> well, mine, um, it's Roblox and Minecraft. We play just about every night. I love that so much. So for those of you listening, uh, Chuck's daughter, Katie, also is a good friend of mine and my hairstylist. And she tells me about Chuck playing video games with his grandsons at night. And I just think it's the sweetest thing ever. Shout out to that. So outside of all of these normal life things, Chuck is also a longtime yogi since when was your first yoga class? 
Yeah, I was in San Francisco in 98. Okay, so a long time yogi, 98, a yoga teacher and a former studio owner as well. Um, and one of the reasons that I, this this particular conversation means a lot to me is because Chuck was in my first class of graduates. So the very first year that I trained teachers, Chuck was there. And I'll always be grateful because you really held the fort down in, in a way that we needed that energy in there. We only had a couple men and you're one of them. So to the men listening, reach out. We need more men in this community. We need more masculine energy. Um, wherever you are in that spectrum, we need more representation of the men on here too. Tell our listeners about pre-yoga Chuck. What was life like before your first yoga class? I started late in life, relatively speaking, to do yoga. Been working, I do weights and play uh, basketball and go to the gym. And I've always been in athletics all my life. And as I got older, I never thought about changing it out. I was slowing down a little bit in my activities and stuff. And then uh, I went to, uh, my brother and I and Sharon went to San Francisco. We went on a trip with doing something and we were visiting my sister and uh, Lauren, her daughter asked me, Chuck, do you want to go do a yoga class? So my concept of yoga at that time was sitting, you know, cross-legged and doing ohm in the corner and just kind of meditating and had no concept of what it was all about. And I think I was around 52 at that time. And I thought, you know, I can go do this. So we went down to the yoga studio and a guy came out scantily dressed, <laughs> I'll say. Um, and so we paid our money and went inside. And I thought, I said to Sharon, I said, um, it's a little hot in here, isn't it? And she looked at me like, yeah. And my poor brother, he's a little overweight at that time. He's looking at me like, what are we doing? And we found out as we got into the practice, it was a Bikram class. Oh, fun surprise. <laughs> yeah. And we had no idea. And of course, in Bikram, at least I found out, is all they did was call out the, the asanas. And we had no idea about how to do anything at that point in time. And we were looking at Lauren, who really knew what she was doing. So we just followed her. And after about half hour, 45 minutes into the practice, my brother was in his own pool of sweat on the ground. And we were like, oh my God. And my, my ego was not allowing me to collapse. You know, I had to continue on the male thing, you know. But after practice, I sat on a bench outside and I looked at Sharon and I said, oh my God, how great this is. My endorphins were off the charts. I felt really great. And I thought, oh, okay. And that started my journey. And from that point on, I still worked out with weights and stuff a little bit, but I switched over to when I got back into Maitland of going to the gyms and going to the RDV, which is a big gym, and started taking classes. And as I got into the classes and got into it a little bit more, I began to look at the teacher and the people around me and myself internally and said, you know, what am I doing? How am I, how am I doing this? Am I doing this right? You know, I, I look at other people and they're doing it with, you know, a different way than I'm perhaps doing it. And the teachers up there doing their thing and not really engaging necessarily with the students. They're more 
they're up there doing their thing and they're just calling out stuff and we're supposed to follow them. And so I did that for about five years. And then I got very curious. And then I went to a studio um, up in Longwood, Lake Center Yoga at with Isaac. And he was teaching Anyasara Yoga. And at that point, this is around 2000. And at that point, Sharon and I decided to get and go to those classes instead of the gym because uh, Anyasara with John Friend really got into the alignment and structure and the breath and the meaning of doing yoga instead of just sweating and having a workout. It actually got into more of the understanding of why you'd want to do yoga and the value of uh, and the appreciation of yoga, especially as a man. Um, you're, you know, with your ego and trying to do things correctly. Um, it just, it made more sense to me to follow that, that those guidelines. And after doing that for a number of years, I, I did it about four or five years. Um, I started, I moved away from that a little bit and went back to the RDV and doing classes and things of that nature. And then a friend of mine and I, I think when I was around 64-ish, um, we decided to go out and, because the RDV started to change up and do move away from the yoga thought process. So my friend and I, we decided to go and visit every studio around this area to try to find what studio met, what studio met our needs at that time and teachers. And I'd always recommend that to any student or anybody that's teaching is to go out and look around and look at the different studios and the value that these studios bring to the community. Are they just teaching one variety of, of um, classes? Is it hot? Are they actually teaching or are they demonstrating? Or are they getting involved with the community and creating a community atmosphere so that when I come in, when I go into a studio, I want to feel the teacher, you know, recognizes me as a, as a person and, you know, touches my life a little bit. It doesn't, you know, it's, sometimes you got 20, 30, 40 people in there. I don't, to me, it doesn't matter if I, if that teacher touches me on the shoulder or puts a cloth over my eyes or something to, to slight, you know, just to recognize that I'm there in the studio instead of teaching and walking out and good luck, you know, that kind of thought process. But going back around full circle, moving to all the different uh, venues around the, the city, since I live in Maitland, I thought, and they just opened a Maitland studio. Uh, I thought, well, I'll just go up there and try that out. And I found that the studio Maitland Harmony yoga brings a really nice vibe to anybody that comes into it. It's a great space. And I thought, okay, this is where I'm going to practice. And then lo and behold, um, Shay and Joni came along and decided to teach a class um, for certification. And I thought, you know, I'm 65. I might as well start doing this. And so that brings us up to the point where I um, took the class, I got through it. <laughs> um, it was intense uh, for two weeks solid, but sometimes that, that might be a good way to do it too. But 
um, as we got into it, um, along with my training in Anusara, the understanding of alignment and learning about the eight limbs and all the different values that uh, yoga can bring to an individual, it really became apparent for me with my background in teaching, this is what I should do. And for the rest of my life, actually, as long as I can do it um, and do it successfully um, and, and bring value to whoever comes in to the studio. And I think when you, when you look at it, you know, hopefully I've, I've brought that and that's when I got certified 10 years ago, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 11 or 12 years or so, I think from that first. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, I love it. And we can talk about the value of men being participatory, but. Um, and for the record, it's not just that you're a man that we value you in this space. I just, you know, there's so many women yoga teachers, which is kind of ironic, right? Because for so many years, it was only men doing yoga in faraway lands from here in North America. But, um, you know, in the States, it's very, it's vastly feminine, a ton of feminine energy, which is great. We're all here for the feminine energy, but we do need that balance. And, um, you know, I know for me as myself as a yoga teacher, I'm, I am a woman, but I tend to bring some of that masculine energy into this, into the teaching as well. And it's always felt really important to me. And my first longtime yoga teacher was a man. And it's just, it's not about being a man or a woman. It's just the groundedness, right? So, so yeah. much of the teaching can become like roomy quotes and unicorns and glitter and bells. And that's great, but it's out of balance if you don't have some earth energy too, right? A little bit of fire, a little bit of earth, right? Okay. So I just want to clarify, we don't only value you because you're a man, you're value because you're an excellent teacher. But I remember the first time I met you and like, no pressure if you don't remember this, but so Amy was the owner of Mindful Body of Maitland at the time. And I was managing the studio at the time. Yep. And she introduced me to you and she said, I think you want to talk to Chuck. I think, I think Chuck might be one of your future trainees. I think he should be a teacher because he's a very, you know, she described you as a very um, earnest practitioner. And the second I met you, I was like, wow, like this guy is so earnest and sincere. Like I could tell that you weren't like dazzled by the athleticism of it, probably because you already had an athletic background. So that wasn't going to impress you, but you were so like, and at 65, are we saying you were 65? Like, that's something else that you don't see often. You know, sometimes we see young men come in bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and excited about yoga, but not usually at 65. That's pretty rare. So to see that look in your eye as if you might as well have been 18 and excited about something new, it was it was fascinating to me. And then when we started training, you know, mm -hmm. it was a really cool class. I don't know if you keep in touch with your, with your classmates or not, but they're a very sweet, special bunch. Yeah. Um, but you were one of the few that stood out instantly is like, this person is a yoga teacher. We got to train him. We got to polish him up. We got to soften some edges, but he is a yoga teacher. He was born this way. He has a lot of work to do ahead of him and we have to get him ready. So like, it was such an honor to train you. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Do you remember you had a nickname in, in that class before we, before we graduated you out of it? <laughs> no, I actually don't. I, it may even have been a nickname you had from home, but at some point you told us that you you have an inner admiral. Do you remember that? Yeah. With the admiral Chuck, yeah. because your teaching was so informed from your own experience, which I think is an enormous thing that 
some teachers skip over that they they might jump to teaching yoga when they haven't maybe practiced enough yet you know what i mean a little bit of exposure but your teaching was so informed from your personal practice from so many years and so many styles that you had like a fire hose of knowledge to share and so part of our job joni and me and Jeannie, um at the time were part of our job was to you know, help you channel it and it didn't take much like you graduated a pro i mean clearly so that. absolutely absolutely is so and it's so unique you know there's a lot of like teacher training journeys that i think are kind of similar um because yoga is universal so we go through similar stuff but yours yours was one of those standout situations so i i will always just yeah. treasure that experience absolutely the experience i had with you guys too was uh, amazing from that standpoint i think you brought everything together and allowed us to um, you know, express ourselves. And it was a good interaction between um, our, our group and, and you and the teachers, you guys, you and Joni. And um, I think taking a class or getting certified and becoming a teacher, when I look at other teachers and I look at other certification classes and stuff like that, um, I don't necessarily think that every person taking that class is going to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, whatever it takes to be a teacher, to be able to communicate verbally, uh, physically, what you're trying to express um, isn't necessarily for everybody. And yeah, you know, I think you have to have the confidence and the background um, for doing, like you say, doing yoga, understanding it a little bit, and then tweaking it and bringing it into the focus of your particular yoga style. Very true. And to be fair, a lot of people do teacher training with zero intentions of teaching. They just want to learn more about yoga and spend some dedicated time to deepening their practice, which is 1000% awesome and invited and welcome. I'm sure all teacher training companies would agree that you shouldn't not do a teacher training if you don't think you're going to teach, you, you should absolutely do it. It's not going to hurt you at all. It's only going to help. Yep. Usually you wind up teaching anyways, but <laughs> yeah. so yeah, so you graduated. I want to say that was 2011, I think. Um, yeah. And then talk to us about what it was like to teach and what made you want to transition into owning a studio? What led you down that path? The teach after I got it, I always felt fairly comfortable um, in what I can do. I of that mindset, basically. Um, when I first started teaching, obviously, um, I'm teaching Hatha yoga, you know, the foundation of all yogas, and um, working with beginners and le different levels. And um, it was a little, I won't say it was, I wasn't real comfortable initially, because I, you know, had to remember what we we're, the, I didn't have to, but the thought process of going through you know, doing uh, sun salutations, you know, warming up sun salutations, going through the process and hitting everything at three times and, you know, going through that practice and then starting, once I did that for a while and then I started to develop the same pattern, but manipulating it and bringing other things in at different times and making it my practice. Mm -hmm. you, you all presented on how to teach and the value of what yoga brings to a person and, teaching how to bring it to other people and then you put your personal touch on it and yeah it took, 
a while to to move down that road and then i'm still doing the same format that you all taught us um from natural vayamam which nobody does and i love that you're still doing it yay three types of breath which i don't really ever hear anybody doing any of that mm -hmm. not to say that it's good bad or indifferent yeah i believe teaching the tradition of how i was taught and how you were taught and goes back to many centuries um well, I, you know if, if it isn't broke don't you know don't fix it and just leave it alone yeah and i think you know and we've chatted about this before like you can see all kinds of crazy yoga now right like there's goat yoga there's beer yoga there's like there's yoga with animals in the room like in the studio not even at the zoo and there's all kinds of different things and like we're not here to say that's good or bad or indifferent but if some of us do like a traditional style and yep. that's also fine like if you find yourself a traditional yogi or yoga practitioner you don't have to introduce goats to keep up you can stay traditional if you want um but i did want to comment that that was something else that i noticed when after you graduated and i would take your classes whenever i could because i was still working around there at the time one of the things i loved and i encourage other up-and-coming teachers to do is that you took the practicum you know the bones of it and the traditions and you 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 always had the ingredients but i remember you like experimenting with different things in your class but what i what i found so special is that all of your experiments were in service of the students and that's that's really like that's been my i don't know inspiration for this whole project is that we are in an industry of service so you could be a fabulous yogi but when you're up there teaching you are a servant you're serving these people who took time out of their day and money out of their budget to be there with you so I just love seeing you try different things that I knew you were thinking, how can I make this better for the student? How can I make this make more sense or give them more confidence or something they could do at home? You know, I remember you bringing in handouts and things like just really dedicated to the service of it because you actually wanted them to learn. I think that that's my, my approach to dealing with the students, I think is um, giving them a personal, a personal feeling like they're having a private lesson in a group. So when I, I do the initial warm ups and stuff, and then when I walk around the room, I actually use a timer where I want, because I like to hold the poses from 30 to minute, two minutes or whatever, but I'll go around and, you know, maybe I'll talk to the individual a little bit and say, maybe adjust your knee or something, just give them a personal, like, as I said earlier, a personal touch where they feel that they're getting something a little more than just coming to a class and walking back out. So they feel good about, you know, maybe coming the next time and adding a little value to the practice. And relating to what you had said, the bounds of the practice, and then I try to bring something about maybe doing a headstand or doing you know, something that's unusual on an arm stand. And um, in fact, I was doing an, um, a, cu or, um, a couple different poses. And since I, I teach an older group of people, and sometimes I'm doing these poses and, and I'll look up and like, okay, is anybody doing this with me? You know, and they're clapping afterwards. <laughs> that's not what we're doing. Um, but yes, I try to bring at least one thing different 
every class to give them the, I like to challenge you. I like to give you yes, more. Yes, you do. <laughs> I like to give you more opportunity to open your horizons and, uh, you know, just allow you to go. A lot of people are happy, you know, maybe doing a warrior pose and their legs are together a little bit and they're just kind of standing there. Whereas if they open themselves up a little bit more and open their heart and their breath, they would find the asana. It's just an amazing feeling. And, and that's what I mean right there, which you just said, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that, like for the people listening, that's what I mean. The difference is you're not looking at bodies being like, it would be better if you blah, blah, blah. It's like, you will feel amazing if you can make these little tweaks that I'm offering you, if you want to make them, it's in service to them. And that's, that is something that not every teacher does very naturally, but you really do. I, I remember for me, so like I've been practicing yoga 20 years and I started when I was like young and fit and flexible. So as I've been aging and getting like worse yeah. at yoga somehow, I just, I remember taking one of your classes and like, I, I will sometimes tend towards like, uh, I'll take a child's pose whenever I want to basically, you know, if I, I'm, more, I'm more there for the mental health. Um, but I remember taking a class of yours and I can't remember the pose. I want to say it was like, it was like a crow pose with the like paper clip looking foot thing. You know what I mean? I forget what it's called right now, but, and that's the pose that in my mind, I'm like, nah, that's not going to happen. My body doesn't do that. I'm super bottom heavy. I'm not going to be able to whip my foot around like that. And you offered the encouragement of like, just try it, just try it like this. And it was like two or three weeks later of you telling us to just try it. I, I somehow did it. And I would have never even attempted that pose. Not for, not because like I'm down on myself. It's just like, eh, I don't need it. That's not for me. That's for somebody else's body. But you, you offered the challenge in the way that was like, you can, or maybe you can do this. We're not sure that you can't do this. So maybe you try it. And that's different from like, you know, it's better if you do this, or this is an advanced pose, advanced yogis do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, I'm not a bendy flexi person <laughs> necessarily, uh, like some some teachers are. And I think all that goes back to dealing with Isaac at uh, Anyasara and Lake Center, where I would be in a, he, he did the same thing in offering those types of things. But when I would be in a pose, um, he would come around and he would go, Ooh, and all of a sudden you think, oh my God, this is where I should be. Instead of, you know, the hips are back or the, your alignment and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's what I like to bring to the practice. And I don't know if everybody appreciates that necessarily. They like to do their thing. But um, it really, to me, doing yoga and, you know, a lot of, and this is my take on yoga, okay? Doing yoga, um, people say if you're breathing and you're standing in, in a pose, you're doing yoga. Well, yes, you are doing yoga, but maybe if you had a little better alignment and if you started to learn how to breathe and to accentuate and take advantage of what you have learned uh, and be able to, to move forward in the practice, I think you'll get, you know, they'd get so much more out of it. Um, and I don't like to see people get hurt. Um, and I see so many times where people are like, oh, especially when I'm taking classes, like, oh my gosh, I've got to go say something to that person. And I, you know, I can't obviously, because I'm not teaching them, but um, that's one of my frustrations for teachers 
is if you see somebody that is doing something like standing on one, I had to actually one time I had to do this. Some person put a towel down on the on the floor and was going to do a headstand on a towel on the floor, a skinny towel that could slip. And I said, please don't do that. <laughs> you know, at least put your mat underneath it so you're not gonna. I mean, and it's that's kind of where I'm at in my life, where <laughs> I want to add value and um, teach yoga, but I want to see um, yoga done where you feel comfortable doing it, but not so you're going to get hurt. And I'm really into alignment, structure, breath, and that's kind of where I come from. If you had advice for a new teacher, what would you offer them? I would say go to the different venues around town, find the one that fits your practice and the tip and what you were trained for and try to get hired, get into it as soon as you can. A lot of times, if you wait, you tend to lose the, not, not the knowledge necessarily, but the vernacular, the, um, the verbiage. And the, the sooner you get into it and practice, the better off you are. And there's always people that will give you the opportunity. Get out there, basically. Don't wait and um, go after it. If you're there to learn how to teach and you get your certification, take advantage of it and go out there and, and do it. But go out there with, with the knowledge that you were taught and then perfect what, what you've learned and then make it yours. And yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. It's really, I mean, we teach you what, everything we can in a certification, right? But you really learn how to teach from teaching. Like it, it, the real learning of how to be a teacher happens after you graduate your first TT. Um, yeah. And I feel like, you know, in addition to not forgetting your Sanskrit and your protocols and all these things, you also run the risk of losing a little courage if you wait too long. So it's like, just go before you talk yourself out of it. And if you can't find a studio job or a gym job or corporate yoga job, um, you can teach for free in a park on Instagram, on Facebook. Like you can, yeah. you can always teach. Someone always needs you to teach. So I, I really, I appreciate that a lot. Um, but tell us where you are now. I mean, obviously I know, but for our listeners, tell us where you are now, where can they practice with you? What are you up to? What are you looking forward to? Um, I, I'm at Maitland Harmony Yoga and been there since way back when. Which for those of you who don't know, was the studio that Chuck did own for how many years? A few years? Oh, three years. Three yeah. years. COVID kind of did me in. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason I bought the studio is because I wanted to. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great reason. <laughs> and I wanted the experience. I've been in business, you know, I've had, you know, quite a few businesses and I still have that going, but um, I really wanted to, one, keep the studio alive. You know, I wanted to keep teaching in Maitland and I want, we had such a nice base of people coming to just drop the studio for what we offer. We're more a studio um, that offers more gentle, basic, yin, yang uh, alignment. All of our teachers are 20 plus years. Um, they're great people. Um, so if you've never, and we're kind of an older crowd, we're not necessarily the, the younger crowd that uh, just want to sweat and work out not we'll call it a wiser crowd it's a wiser crowd an advanced yeah, crowd, advanced <laughs> crowd. <laughs> but we but i i probably do everybody has the ability to but 
they teach more of that. I teach the Hatha um, from the beginner to the Hatha three. So if you want the challenge, I'll give it to you. If you don't want the challenge, I'll give that to you. So what, whatever the class it is, you're the student and you bring yourself to whatever level you want. If you want more, I'll give it to you. I always offer that additional bump, but you can stay in child's pose if you want. It doesn't matter in our class. And the beauty of the class is no one cares what you're doing because you're on your mat and that's what you need to be con concerned with. But the reason that you feel that way is because that is how you teach. That is, I don't think that that is how every yoga class feels. And I, I think a lot of that is up to the teacher. The teacher creates the safe container for the students to be like, I am just here on my mat. I'm enjoying the energy of company, but yeah. that's a, that's a teacher led uh, vibration. In my opinion, there are a lot of classes where you walk in and it, it can feel like a competition or you need to look a certain way or be good enough or whatever. So right. hats off to you because that's a, that's on you. That's why it feels that way for people in your class. Just a little yeah. reminder. Commenting <laughs> on that with, you know, and we didn't really talk about the male, female type thing because I have males coming to my class and I've started to have a lot of couples start to come in. And if I could recommend anything to you all that they're teaching is the more couples you get involved coming to your class, you'll find that that community and that experience that that couple experiences really becomes uh, a bonding. It really starts to create more, like Sharon and I have been married going on 51 years and we've been doing yoga for 25 years. That's amazing. And that's just that. And this, this is a, a kind of a funny ending note is I get one hour a day where I can tell Sharon what to do. <laughs> and she does it. The other 23, <laughs> that's, that's I think that's the funniest thing you've ever said to me in your life, to me in my life. That was so funny and so yeah. perfect. <laughs> One day I'll have to tell you about um, when I first started talking to my current husband, we were, we started dating during quarantine. So we were like FaceTiming and talking on the phone a lot and he asked me, thought he was being very sweet if I would as part one of our, you know, COVID friendly Zoom dates, um, if I would teach him a yoga lesson. And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I said, absolutely not. If you think I'm about to get in some leggings and a down dog for you, sir, you are mistaken. This is my spiritual practice, I'll have you know. But it was funny because that actually opened up a whole can of worms. I'll have to tell you about another time where he has been following Swami Satchidananda since he was you know, a teenager, 20 years before we met each other and we found all these cool connections. But yeah, I said no. And I still haven't taught him yoga, but I'm getting close. I might, I might let him in on it now. <laughs> oh, yeah. come to a well, you're teaching now. I haven't come to your class. Well, maybe I'll bring him to your class tomorrow. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, it's, we have some catching up to do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Awesome. Chuck, Good. thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time this morning, for your time this last decade of teaching really excellent yoga classes to our community. And um, for those of you listening, I'll put, um, you're not on social media, right? I tried to find you, but you're not because you're so cool. Good for you. So for those of you listening, you won't be able to find Chuck on the internet, but if you have questions for him, follow-up questions, send them to me. So you can send them to, um, you can email me, you can find me on Instagram, um, wherever you want to, and I'll put 
I'll put at least the studio info on the show notes so that they can find your class um, to take class with you. So yes, thank you so much. I hope you'll come back and do another episode with us as I'm sure we'll have follow-up questions for you. I hope you have a wonderful day and I will see you in the morning for class. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this helpful or at least that it made you smile. If so, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it with somebody else. You can do so by sharing a screenshot of this podcast to your Instagram stories and then tag me at Body Mind Spirit Service. You can also visit our website. The link is in the bio. It's bodymindspiritservice.com. And in there, you're going to find a free community group where you can join and chime in with podcast questions or topic requests, as well as network with other people in your field. The website's also going to give you options to opt in for the blog updates and the email list so you can stay in the loop for trainings and other exciting things there. And if you're more into Facebook, we have a free community group there as well. So again, thank you so much for sharing your time with me and I hope to hear from you soon. You can send me a DM, say hi, let me hear from you. Let me hear how I can be of service to you so that you can be of service to others. May you be happy. May you be well. May you be safe, peaceful, and at ease. And I will see you again soon.